Welcome, happy warriors. Welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. Thanks for being part of the show. And, uh, hey, thank you for subscribing. That's something that so many of you have been doing lately. So uh, if you haven't done that already, please go ahead. Uh, doesn't hurt, only helps, and uh, it uh, can be done on any platform, whatever you're listening. Subscribe to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. And um, also, I want to let you know that uh, our new book called The Holistic You, which is a book on how to integrate all the five crucial areas of your life, your finances, your family, your fitness, your friendships, and your faith, the spiritual aspects of your life, how all of that uh, is integrated into one completely successful life of growth and fulfillment. That book is now actually out. It's available. Thanks to all of you who pre-ordered it. You should have it by now. And uh, if you have already read it, it's time to put a review for us on Amazon. Uh, that would be really nice. Um, and thank you, Andrew, and uh, the people who've already done that. Much appreciated. But uh, there it is. The book is called The Holistic You, and it is a life-enhancing book for so many people. So um, today I'm actually going to be talking to a very old friend, um, somebody whose name is A.J. Rice. And uh, A.J. Rice has a new book out called The Woking Dead. And um, the, the Woking Dead is a book, well, the, the subtitle sort of tells you very much what it is, How Society's Vogue Virus destroys our culture. And uh, what he's saying is something we've spoken about on the show many times, which is that there is a virus out there which in every possible way is actually more dangerous to our lives than COVID was, and that is the woke virus. And um, A.J. Rice's book is called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And uh, I'm going to be talking with him. It's, it's, it's been a while since I've spoken with him. Uh, A.J. Rice is a, a bit of a star in conservative politics in America and has been for a couple of decades already. Like everybody knows him and he knows everybody. He has been uh, the executive producer of the Laura Ingram show and the Monica Crowley show and he's worked at the Washington Times and he's worked with Glenn Beck and uh, he just he knows the landscape really really well which is why I thought it would be interesting for me uh, originally, I just wanted to catch up with him myself, and then I thought, you know what, why don't we record it and make it available to to all of you, all the happy warriors as well, and um, that's exactly what I did, and uh, you'll be able to hear that conversation um, coming up right now. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed catching up again with A.J. Rice. Well, welcome, A.J. Rice. It is truly terrific to have you on the show. And uh, I've been talking for ages about uh, you coming on this show. 
and uh, I've been looking forward to this opportunity. So much appreciated. Really great that you made yourself available. Thank you very much indeed. Rabbi, it really is an honor. You know me, you and I go back a long time. Yeah, we do. I am a huge fan and, uh, you know, I try to be as Jewish as possible on a daily basis um, while while remaining Catholic. So (laughs) you can help me through the day today. No, I I'm 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 very happy. The the more faithful and loyal Catholics there are, the better off the world is. So I'm I'm good with that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You're a patriot. Yep. Um gosh, uh, you know, um I could go on and on about the about your extraordinary life and the people you've known and the 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 work you've done and the things you've created and the and the uh, the movements you've energized in the conservative world. But um, uh, but I, I think because you're such an effective spokesman, uh, I think I'm going to try, first of all, just letting it come out organically through our conversation. And uh, and then I'll fill in afterwards if I feel that there's anything you've been too modest about. But um, let, let's start off with The Woking Dead. Um, it's a book that is at what I don't know when last I've read a book that at one and the same time had me laughing out loud really really laughing just at the at the writing style and at the uh, at the phrasing and the comparisons and at the same time um giving me a, a sense that i'm at 30,000 feet looking down on a cloudless day at the entire landscape and beginning to get a picture of what's really going on in the country so uh uh i know how hard it is to write a book and um and I, I was very aware of that as I was reading my copy and enjoying it so much. But uh, what's a little bit of the background to what impelled you to undertake? It's a huge task. And and that book wasn't just thrown together. It was really, really well written. So what what made that happen? Well, the one thing that I think conservatives lose uh, a lot of time, and they're getting better at this, um, they, 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 they lose the joke war. Um, I was raised, you know, in Philadelphia, I was raised with all different types of comedy, all different types of entertainment. Some of it I probably saw at too young of age. Um, but if you, if you, if you remember what, what Limbaugh, what Rush Limbaugh used to say about using irreverent humor to illustrate truth and things that Andrew Breitbart used to say, um, and whether you're a fan of Jackie Mason or Joan Rivers or, you know, Rodney or Dennis Leary or whoever you, whoever, you know, tickles your Steve Martin, Woody Allen, whoever it is. I think we, George Carlin, I think we have reached a point, at least in the culture. And I think this is why you see even some left wing guys sounding like, like we've always sounded, sounding like Rush or sounding like you know, this show or, or Breitbart um, is that the Woking Dead is coming for our joy. It's coming, and, and this is one of the many flavors of, of wokeism in sort of the, you know, kaleidoscope of, of colors that wokeism comes in because, you know, it, it, it started out like Baskin and Robbins is 36 flavors and now it's like the Crayola 64 box and spreading. But one of the things I think The core of it is cancel culture, yes, but it's a control of our language. And 
and I want to bring humor to illustrate truth. So obviously I'm using zombie metaphors, The Walking Dead, George Romero, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Night of the Living Dead. So The Walking Dead to me is not just, you know, me being clever um, and, and channeling, you know, vintage cheesy horror. Um, if you sort of study the people that are trying to control our language, trying to control Dave Chappelle, trying to control you, trying to control me. I mean, I've been kicked off of this platform or that. They kind of do move about like zombies. Many of them are not critical thinkers. I mean, say what you want about atheists like Bill Maher, guys like Rogan who were Catholic, but I think is kind of a, an atheist guy now. Um, they can see this. And, uh, you know, religious Jew Jewish people have always have always seen, they could always see this. They could always see when someone was trying to cancel the Jewish people, because that has been tried a lot, um, but cancel jokes, cancel gatherings, um, trying to control what you can say and who you can, you know, make fun of and when. Um, and in the old days, it's funny, speaking of Jewish comics, I mean, you go back to someone like Lenny Bruce, who, who today they would absolutely try to cancel. But in the past, it was some of the libertine stuff and some of the, the lewd stuff that had, you know, Catholics and rabbis and, and, and the uptight community going after him because he was making fun of the wrong God. That's what he used to say. You know, you can make fun of God, but you got to pick the right God. If you make fun of the Kennedy God, then you're going to get hammered. If you make fun of this guy, you'll get hammered. And for a time after 9-11, um, I find it interesting that if you made fun of the Islamic God, if you made fun of Allah, whether you're South Park or whether you're Pamela Geller doing a Draw Muhammad contest, whether you're Salman Rushdie, if you make fun of the wrong God there, then the totalitarians from the radical Islam will come get you. And it's interesting because cancel culture isn't always you know, a totalitarian thing of the sort of atheist left or the, or the, you know, the humanist left, it, it can come in different forms. I mean, we, you know, there's been burning of witches. I mean, we can go all through history and, and, and find cancel culture. Um, what I find fascinating, and we just had a, uh, an anniversary of 9-11, um, is that today, the people that are all in the basket together is that you've got a lot of people that are sort of men and women of the left that want to do their profession. I don't care whether it's Roseanne Barr or Tim Allen or, you know, uh, you know, Dice or, or Bill Maher or Chappelle, like I said before, people are hunting them, trying to control their language. Now, Christians and Jews are used to being hunted. And this in the post 9-11 world and maybe even in the in the post-war on terror world because the Republican Party has kind of moved away from that. I find it interesting that the left has figured out a way to bring some of these comedians that are not really men of faith um, together with uh, Christians and Jews who are used to being canceled and, very interesting, paging Abraham, Islam. Islam in some of these communities in Minneapolis and Michigan and Maryland, they're looking around. These, and as far as I can tell, they're not responding by, you know, decapitating people. They're not responding uh, the way ISIS would respond. Um, 
they are pushing back on these school boards in some of these places because they don't want wokeism or the trans mafia, as I call them. They don't want any of this stuff pushed down their children's throats either. So here we are in the modern world. Letty Bruce would get a kick out of this, where you've got, you know, people people that want to tell jokes for a living that may not be of faith. And you've got the three sons of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham, all the Abrahamic religions, all united. Isn't it interesting what the left has done here? We're all united against one thing, and that is wokeism. Whether it's the cancel culture variety, whether it's the trans mafia variety, whether it's this attack on, on toxic masculinity or the 1619 project, the social justice warrior stuff, because at the root of it, and people ask me to define wokeism. What is it? Where does it come from? I would say it's at, at the core, it's cultural Marxism. It's picking winners and losers. It's deciding who gets to, you know, be in the spotlight and who doesn't, who gets removed and whitewashed from the public arena and who doesn't. And it's not new. And we can get into where it came from. It's something I talk about quite a bit. It's something I'm writing um, the sequel to The Woking Dead about now. Um, where it came from, it, it, it's not a modern phenomenon that is only affecting Gen Z or, or the millennials. It's been around a long time. And uh, it's, it's a form of Marxism that, that really predates World War I. AJ, um, I, I was one of the things that was interesting me, one of the many things in, in the book was how far can we carry this metaphor? Um, if, if I remember correctly, um, don't zombies thrive on the blood of their victims or do I have that wrong? Yeah, in some stories it's the brains, sometimes stories it's the blood, sometimes it all, so it in, all, if it we only carry, takes a bite. If we carry the metaphor uh, further, these woke zombies, these woking dead, uh, what are they living on? What are they consuming? What What's in it I mean, for them? The thing that drives them is the devouring of the unwoke. So to carry the metaphor further, and one thing I've been I've been researching this lately is I, I in some ways wokeism is a peer contagion, right? It's a peer contagion. It's a virus. It's all it's absolutely, absolutely much more da- much more dangerous than COVID. And that's the book. I mean, that's why the subtitle is what it is, right? How America's Vogue virus, because it's I mean, look, I like to think that Elon read the book. He's been calling this a, a woke mind virus, right? So zombies eat brains, zombies bite you. You have a peer contagion that is spreading mainly among the youth and the, the whitest people in America that have buy into this stuff, that are just virtue signaling us all to death with their masks and their signs out front that say love is love and the rest of it. Um, you know, of course, these are these are not people that that work their rear end off for a living. These are the most elite among us. These are people in the whitest neighborhoods in America. Um, these are not people that these are generational college educated people. And they're riding around in their Audis rabbi with their pumpkin spice lattes and 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 on their Pelotons. And they're telling all the rest of us, you know, to shut the, the blank up. And and allow the devouring, allow the peer contagion to spread. 
right? Well, they virtue signal with their BLM flags and the rest of it. So <laughs> they're coexist bumper stickers. So, I mean, that's who we're dealing with. So yes, and 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 I wrote, I, I used the virus term because while we were locked down and I wrote most of this when we were, um, it dawned on me that the true virus that was afoot was not the China virus. It wasn't the I ate a bat virus. It wasn't a bioweapon that escaped the lab virus. It wasn't, you know, the scent of Dr. Fauci's stench it was this. It was the woke virus that while we were locked down and we were going through what I call an authoritarian dress rehearsal, they were pumping this stuff into us in all its forms, whether it's the Me Too movement or cancel culture or the trans mafia's uh, agenda. They're pumping this into us and into our children in particular. Um, the saving grace, of course, is that you have a bunch of parents that, you know, you got two income households. They're not paying attention. All of a sudden, they're opening the textbooks and they can't find Thomas Jefferson, but they can find, you know, you know, genderqueer and Tommy has two mommies and Michelle Obama and Malcolm X. Uh, They've replaced the founding fathers with, with this stuff. So, so, yes, absolutely. Take the metaphor to its logical conclusion. It's a peer contagion that is devouring people's common sense and really uh, their brains. Have they lost comedians like Joe Rogan and Bill Maher, whom, whom both of whom you mentioned? Um, did they go too far? Or just from a strategic point of view, should Absolutely. somebody have said to them, hey, you don't want to lose those two guys. Have they lost them and, and how? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, we know that Joe Biden's not the, you know, sharpest tool in the shed he never has been i mean uh, you know i'm in the i'm in the swamp here and you know i've i've met biden quite a bit and he's always sort of your affable uncle cracker type guy you know he's busting stones and he's talking sports and you know i, I was the former executive producer of the laura ingram show and i i remember you know, yes yeah i mean biden used to hang out in the green rooms of america so laura and i would bump into him quite a bit or on the Accela, which is the train on the East Coast that, that goes up and down 95. And I will say that there are other people out there that are way smarter, Democrat politicians, Bill Clinton, definitely. Barack Obama, say what you want about him. Um, you know, he's a Gen X guy. He was definitely involved in the culture, hanging out with Jay-Z and Beyonce, hanging out with, with Springsteen. A little known interview that he gave to some podcast that, that that no one pays attention to, he he basically said last year, the Democrats need to cut this woke stuff out because Obama, whether he believes in wokeism or not, knows that when you lose guys like Bill Maher, when you lose Rogans, when you lose the Chappelles, when you lose Chris Rock on some of this stuff, um, he can he can tell that there that there is something afoot in the culture, and that he basically said Democrats need to stop being a buzzkill which is true. And I've always called them a buzzkill. You've called them it. Coulter used to say that they're just like, you know, joy vacuums. They suck joy out of, out of everything. They want to, and that, and really, when you try to control everyone's bodily functions and their, well, how much salt they use and whether they want to drink a big gulp in 7-Eleven in New York City or, you know, take the salt and pepper, salt shakers off the tables like Bloomberg did. When you start to control people like that, you know, Michelle Obama's, school lunch program even which was starving the youth of america yeah uh you, you know you 
people have had enough. They'll push back, right? Once you're like in their house and in their, you know, refrigerator, and they're still doing this. They're trying to control gas-fired stoves and, I mean, you know, generators. I mean, they, and all of it is really, we're all at the mercy of whatever flavor of Marxism we're dealing with that day. A lot of it pushed by the global warming crowd. So yeah, there are some Democrats like Obama. I find Obama's fascinating character. I mean, look, I did everything in my power to stop the man twice. We ran some, we ran some politicians against him that, you know, were just chum in the water. They were, it was like, you know, me dunking on grandma. Um, you know, God, God love uh, McCain and Romney. But I would say Obama kind of gets it. And he has said some things like that, like, you know what, we maybe need to tone it down a little bit. Because once Bill Maher sounds like Hannity, uh, you got a problem. Um, because he's Bill Maher's by no mean a by no means a Bush, you know, Trump lover. Um, but when you start losing guys like that and you start pushing them into the arms of Tucker Carlson or or you, Rabbi, or whoever, um, you got a big problem on your hands culturally. And it's funny, you know, Donald Trump, I just wrote a section of my next book which goes into all the relationships Trump had with the hip-hop community. One of the other things Obama mentioned was maybe one, and this is so stupid, but but maybe one, and this is so simple, I mean, this is how Obama sees Black people, uh, <laughs> that maybe one of the reasons uh, so many Black people and Black rappers voted for Trump and supported him, whether it's Lil Wayne or Ice Cube or Kanye, um, is because Trump, it knows how to manipulate the culture that everything Trump does is gold plated and loud and, you know, chauvinistic and, 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 you know, that maybe black males gravitate towards that. And Democrats need to work harder to try to separate Trump from black males. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, Oh my God. So as, as much as Obama can see the culture, he can get things wrong. Uh, maybe black people and maybe Trump got more of the black vote than, you know, every Republican since Eisenhower is because he was offering something uh, that maybe the Democrats weren't or not taking them for granted or going into the community and or, or offering. I mean, Obama was president for eight years. He never did prison reform. He never did criminal justice reform. He had two shots to put a black person on three shots, actually, uh, two and a half. Right. With Merrick Garland. He had a bunch of shots to put a black person on the Supreme Court. He didn't do it. He put a wise Latino on there and two white people. Garland didn't get on, but Kagan got on. So, you know, I mean, every black person that's been put on the Supreme Court has been put on by a white person. Fun fact, Democrats. So, so look, he gets it to some extent. He's got his, you know, he, he's got a little, I mean, it doesn't take much to be the tallest midget when you're dealing with Biden. I mean, Biden told the most watched black radio show in the country that if you don't vote for me, you're not black. All right. If you don't vote for Uncle Joe, you're not black, <laughs> yeah. which is insane, which is insane. And, and, you know, the, the host of that program should have handled himself better. Um, that was the breakfast club. So, so look, that's out there. Many of my black clients, uh, you know, and you've interviewed some of them, you know, probably a lot of them, black pastors that are conservative, you know, they say that the, the plantation moved from the, basically from the field to the mind, to the mind. And that really is also where wokeism overlaps because there, there is a whole section of the woking dead that is trying their best to divide us on racial lines. 
that is trying their best to keep, you know, through through the black pastors, the black media, and the black politicians, keep people sort of trapped in one ways of think one way of thinking. You know, Dave Chappelle is a famous rich guy, and he's he's by no means Ben Carson. He's from DC. Um, so he's not some Republican, right? He's not Larry Elder. Um, but he sees it, but he's got a lot of power. Guys like Chris Rock have a lot of power. So if you're coming up now and you're a comedian, just to bring it back to where we started, you know, if you're trying to get on stage at, at, at some, you know, some gig at, whether it's a Laugh Factory or Caroline's or where, you know, wherever you're, LA, right? If, if, wherever you're trying to perform, if you're trying to get on stage with certain jokes, I mean, you may self-censor. You may self-censor. And that is the goal. That's the goal of the cultural Marxist. It's not just to get the Chappelle to self-censor. They want to get all the people that don't do this for a living like you and I to self-censor. And, and then corporate America comes in, Rabbi, and they devise these little sushi menu scores for us. Yes, that's uh, right. With... ESG and DEI is, is that you get and, and what it's starting to become, it's starting to become something very similar to China's social credit system. Yes. We're all going to be we're all going to be given a grade on how woke we are or how quickly we're joining the woking dead and allowing the peer contagion to spread. So they use ESG and DEI to exclude people, to cancel them, to grade their score. Oh, you're not woke enough. You're not going to get the promotion, you know, that. The, the white woman in the Indian headdress named Elizabeth Warren, she'll get the she'll get the promotion. So, right. Um, the, the people that are picketing Columbus Day will get the promotion. Right. So the people that want to cancel St. Patrick and Yom Kippur and whatever else, they'll they get the promotion. And, and then you sort of self-censor, you self-correct. And that's right. the goal is to slowly, incrementally get us all to control our language because wokeism has kind of been, and your audience knows this, like when you get a new piece of technology, you get a new app, you download it, or you'd want to sign up for LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, you know, you've got an iPhone and you get the iOS uh, download, which is update your phone. If you don't do it, <laughs> your phone won't work in about a year and a half. And, and you have to sign something called a user agreement. Wokeism has become, and this peer contagion has become mm, the user agreement, the user agreement for all of us to be an American citizen. And that's what the Chinese have, the people in Cuba have, North Korea. They have user agreements, or if you don't sign it, if you don't comply, with the user agreement, you're done. You vanish. You go to the gulag. Do you, you know? think we're are we moving in the direction of uh of debanking people who don't yes. sign the user agreement. Absolutely. I mean, we're there. I mean, so there's all these tech platforms that a lot of entrepreneurial type people use, Patreon, PayPal. Um, you know, we don't all have Elon Musk money, so we can't, I mean, Musk invented PayPal, but I mean, we, we can't. So you've got all these, these guys out there. I mean, you know, some of, some of them are our friends like Robert Spencer. And so, I mean, you know, Pamela Geller, Horowitz. I mean, they're, they're in, in the past, it was you say something bad about Islam and go in and get you. I call them rabbi. I call them the digital brown shirts. They go in. They're watching you. Right. 
and they're there to demonetize, deplatform, shadow ban. And yes, I mean, Kanye West, and God knows that the audience of this show and, and, and my people, uh, we're, we're not agreeing with any of this stuff Kanye is saying about the Holocaust or Jews or any of this stuff. But West got it all removed like that. He got it all removed like that. Yes. Um, but that's a, that's an extreme case. But there are people, yes, they're they're they are they're alerting the banks. So whether it's Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, whoever it is, to start to monitor who has accounts at certain places and who doesn't. And it's all it's all based on First Amendment rights. And and it's like that we will make you not be able to earn a living. We will make you not be able to bank here or save money or move money around, invest in certain companies. And, and, and look, they're perfecting this now. Once AI exists and it becomes thoroughly woke, which it's heading in that direction, they'll be able to catch all of us at the speed of light, at the speed of light. So the audience might not know this, but I'm not just an author and a former executive producer of shows, but I run something called Publius PR. We provide yes. guests, we provide guests to shows. And one of the ways we're able to do this, you know, we're not, you know, we're not dialing people up and calling everyone in the world. There's too many shows and it takes up too much time. We have to use email marketing companies or devices. Well, I can tell you that MailChimp in particular, um, I've been booted off there many times. It's really? What, I used, what is your so it's not be It's not because I used one of the seven dirty words. I've been booted off of LinkedIn too. Um, but, I, but you got these companies, right? Like Constant Contact, you know, MailChimp. So MailChimp was owned by Intuit, which has a relationship with Microsoft. Um. And I've been booted off of there merely because I send a guest pitch or a press release from someone that the digital brown shirts don't approve of. Now, there are certain words in the English language that get flat. If you use the word like stolen election or insurrection or vaccine or anti-vax or Whatever the hell it is, it, there's a bunch of them. It's not the F word, the S word. The F, it's not the old dirty words. These are the new dirty words, Rabbi. Right? So you got the new dirty words. And I tell all my bookers, do not put these words in the subject line. Do not capitalize them. And what would happen is there were programs in the past that it would flag words. They would suspend your account. So I got suspended because of RFK Jr., because we promoted his book, we promote his publisher's books. Oh, and they, they they they're down on him. Oh, Very without down a doubt. Without a doubt. Now, so you've got Gates, you've got Fauci. That last book was about both of them. Um, but whether it's the CO two coalition promoting global warming, whether it's Naomi Wolf, whether it's Stella Morabito, whether it's any of the doctors, most of them are Skyhorse authors. So. So if it's Ladapo, if it's if it's Malone, if it's Edward Dowd, if it's Huff, if it's Pierre Corey, who wrote a book called The War on Ivermectin, no matter who it is. So they're after these people, right? And then I got then the, the, the anti-trans people. You start talking trans, then the, the brown shirts. So what's going to happen is this. 
it's no longer going to be a human that flags these words or a program that flags these words. AI is going to be able to read everything we write, everything at the speed of light. So whether you it's an op-ed at the Washington Times or a Breitbart or whether it's a using a MailChimp where you're sending out, you have a list of 100 journalists, and you're trying to get an author interviews, you know, like the rabbi, ladies and gentlemen, the rabbi's on my list. So he gets emails from me. Yeah. Uh, and 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 he reads it as a human and he decides whether he want whether you know they're good enough to be on the show um there is a future ahead where they're not you're not going to be able to they're going to block my pitch before it gets to you especially if we're using web-based emails like google and yahoo and these other things right so that's why conservatives have to invent their own you know apps the, you know rumble is an alternative to youtube and Get her and because all of us are being hunted by the digital brown shirts. All of us. I'm no longer allowed on LinkedIn. Why? Two reasons. Naomi Wolf. <laughs> Naomi Wolf is a reason because of her studies of the Pfizer vaccine that her and Bannon did. And then Gregory Wrightstone um, of the CO2 coalition, who is a global warming, you know, skeptic. So, you know, I, I've got guys like Lucas Miles, right? He and look perfect AI, the more they perfect this technology, the job is to separate us from each other, to isolate us, to deplatform us. And to put us in their in their little little jars on the shelf, we're all putting it, you know, in our you know the the here's the here's the anti-trans woke camp, and here's this camp for these people, and that I mean that's where we're at. I mean it's not physical yet. Um, sometimes they attack us physically though if they can't get us digitally. Um, we got a guy in Brett Kavanaugh's neighborhood looking to hurt him. Got a guy jumping on stage with Lee Zeldin. He's running for governor of New York. Got a guy try to stab Dave Chappelle on stage in Los Angeles. Um, got a guy that went, people that went to Tucker Carlson's house. And then you have people that, that do stab people like Salman Rushdie got stabbed. Yeah. So, so, and they'll, so, they'll give your, they'll give your, your address out online. It's called doxing. So look, we, we're at war, ladies and gentlemen. Wokeism is a war. And you know, well, that's that's what I, I I wanted to, I wanted our audience to to hear you lay that out very specifically as you've just done, and um, the uh, the the techniques and the uh, cultural impositions that have been practiced by the Woking Dead um, are not that different from things that are being done by the Chinese Communist Party, for instance. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and so these these yeah, Woking yeah. Dead, these these actors who are transforming America, um, I'm assuming that they're rational actors, that they're not insane. And if they're rational actors, and we had them on the show right now, and we said to them, hey, you guys, 
the logical journey you're putting us on ends in communist China. In what way does the America you are trying to bring about differ from communist China? Do you have a sense of what they might say? Not by, not much. It doesn't differ much. I mean, what I don't know what they might say. I would say that and there's a whole section of the book on China. A lot of yeah. it's COVID stuff. But like, for example, General Spaulding gave me a blurb for the book. And one of the things he said in the blurb is that China loves anything that makes America weaker. And wokeism does that. Wokeism, yes. wokeism lowers our immunity. Um, it lowers our, you know, white blood cell count. It's kind of like a retro. I mean, apart from right? anything else, repla replacing sure. merit, whether it's in right. the cockpit of an F thirty five or, for that yeah. matter, of a of a commercial airliner, or whether it's um, people operating in the AI community. But as long as uh, as long as merit can be replaced by right. uh, uh, DEI mandates. Uh, of course, that weakens America and yes, and people. How many broad categories are there in America? We've got the Woking Dead, and then we got our friends, and we've got the into which category I include the folks who are allying with Youngkin in Virginia and uh, and trying to teach a lesson to the school districts there, and then there's probably at least one more grouping of people who just aren't paying any attention at all. They're, uh, they are sure. essentially uh, eating bread and watching the circus, as, um, as Gibbons wrote. Um, we're being entertained and, and fed and ideas that we ignore everything else. Um, is that roughly the, 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 the breakdown of the population in the United States? Pretty much. I mean, the Woking Dead are mindless. At the top of that are rational actors, like with all totalitarian movements, right? I don't care whether it's the Me Too movement or cancel culture. And, you know, obviously the heads of some of these corporations are scared to death of their middle management. So, you know, Chappelle's doing a Netflix special and then the, the whole middle management's in the parking lot picketing their own paychecks. And, and then you've got certain calculations have been made like, look, Jimmy Kimmel uh, is on ABC. He's a um, pedantic, you know, Gen X white guy. Um, and all and not, the late not that funny. No. And all the look, all the late night hosts are pretty much cut from the same cloth. They're all white, you know, unfunny white guys, all from the same age bracket, monochromatic. And they all sort of they get their they get their um, their lines fed to them like a Charlie McCarthy puppet. They won't take any risks. Um but he basically said, look, I'm not going to, you know, if ABC calls me in, I'm not going to stop making fun of Trump. I'm not going to stop making fun of conservatives. I don't care if I lose every every viewer. I don't care. ABC is owned by Disney. Disney must not care. I mean, Disney is a, you know, multinational corporation, just like Coca-Cola and Nike and the NBA. And I think they've made a calculation. I think they're willing to lose us as customers I think they're willing to 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 have us vote with our wallet, and that's the one power we have: vote with our feet, vote with our wallet. Because I think they're calculating on replacing all of us with 1.3 billion Chinese. I think they'll say to themselves, "You know what? I mean, LeBron James, um, yeah, he was putting a, a a sequel to Space Jam out, you know, which was a flop. Uh, you know, brilliant movie, 
with Michael Jordan 30 years ago, LeBron tried to do, I mean, as LeBron does, he's still in Michael Jordan's shadow. He's like Michael Jordan's midget shadow. And I would say, you know, he, he came out there during the Hong Kong protests and defended the crack camp. So, so look, Disney pulled a scene out of the Mulan movie. So they're kowtowing to China. China loves this. Yeah, sure. Um, because, because that's their the future market for them. They're not trying to get, you know, Americans that go to church to watch their stuff uh, or to go to synagogue or, or, or just, I mean, in a lot of ways, they're not even trying to get guys like Bill Maher to watch their stuff because it's just filled with garbage. It's, and, you know, with Disney, they've lost their minds. I mean, if you're going to be Disney and you're going to create children's programming, you should start with one question, and that is, what would Walt Disney do? And if your answer is something he wouldn't have done, don't do it. I, I can't imagine. I mean, Walt Disney was a religious conservative guy. I mean, not, you know, not uh, over the top religious, but his values were old time Christian American values. And there's right. not a whole lot going on in Disney now that he would approve of. Correct. And that and Disney's just one example. I mean, that is everywhere. Yeah. Now, I will say to your audience, you know, you probably don't get to hear this that often, but I am one of them. I'm a, I'm a millennial. I'm a, on the older end of the millennial spectrum. But I would say that one thing millennials have brought, uh, you know, one of the good things is that we now have more choices than ever for our programming, our entertainment, our sports, our, our everything. So, you know, and some of it's some of it's dopey stuff. You don't have to watch it. But we're not we're no longer sort of pigeonholed into, oh, we we have to we can only watch this movie or watch this channel or you know, play this video game or read this book or whatever, whatever it is. So that's a good thing. And that sort of evens the market out. But look, if you told me five years ago that I would wake up one day and there would be a tranny in a bathtub drinking Bud Light Pounders and that Anheuser-Busch would have lost their minds with that Bud Light ad, with this thing that they had in the tub that they had lost their audience that much i i would i would tell you you're lying to me i'd have to i say you're you know, there's no way yeah i got a bridge to sell you it's the same thing with nascar i see nascar dabbling in some things you know um nike always has skittles coca-cola levi's jeans i mean i go down a, these are these are quintessential american brands yes yeah. Um, he, and you know, part of it is they they don't only think that they're taking the side in a cultural struggle. They think they're taking the noble, moral, virtuous side. Sure. Uh, we're, we're, we're not just uh, wrong. We're evil. You you wrote your book. I'm absolutely convinced. Uh, firstly, to bring joy into people's lives, because that <laughs> that it does. But you also had a more serious uh, motive as well, didn't you? What did you want to affect? What did you want to change? What did you want to make happen as a result of, of all the work you put into The Woking Dead? Well, I think I think that most of America, to use a football that way, politics used to be like that. 
like a wrecking ball going into the end zones. Um, and one try to up the ante of the next and so on. Sometimes you get some good things. Reagan Revolution, Goldwater, and Yahoo. I mean, I go down from that is I'm trying to talk to the people that, that didn't realize they were seeing wokeness because it's now followed them home through the classroom, through the entertainment, um, and dare, you know, some sinner. Yeah. I got main, but th this stuff is ever peer contagion is everywhere. It's, it's, Bur the, these people have burrowed in like termites and they are seeing some yeah I never I never thought I would see that so it's no longer just you know Murphy Brown having a baby out of wedlock you know and the political correctness crowd from the 90s the old the old pantsuit mafia gals right that that all thought Hillary was going to be the next president you know that that it's worse than that now and I think Marr knows that Mar knows it. Mar sees it. And Mar knows he's going to be put up against the wall in front of the firing squad with you and me. Yes. Okay? Yes. And it, whether whether he's an atheist or not is now irrelevant. Doesn't he matter. Has, right. He's not part of a protected group. Right. And he he's he's making fun of the wrong people or he's Yeah, no the wrong no people. question. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. he's got to go into history's garbage disposal as far as the left's concerned. How far so, Yeah. Yeah. How far how long till the next book is released? Any idea yet? Yeah, next year, I think right. so. I think right. next Terrific. year. And and look, we're going to continue this theme. Um, you know, I, I hope to put out a, a Woking Dead trilogy here. Good. Um, I'm going to focus on some some different things. Some of the some of the things that I, I think one of the biggest things that, that the left uses to divide us is race. It's really bad. Um and 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 to and and there are rational people at the top of that, you know the, yeah, yeah, the people right. the you know Ibrahim Kindi and some of these you know some of the people at the top of the BLM movement that you know they're it's obviously a racket. Um, they're they're grifters, uh, but they're smart grifters. Um, and look, we had after George Floyd, we had this summer of destruction of American history. And and look, I, you know. I, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm I'm not riding around with Confederate flags. Uh, I'm no fan of you know the Confederacy. I live in Virginia. Um, I, I would say this though: we all knew they weren't going to stop. As far as the statues coming down and the twilight of the idols and the the crushing of Western civilization, because look, The Walking Dead has two goals: the destruction of the middle class and the dissolving of the nuclear family. And and the big that's a micro, and then the macro is the removal of Western civilization. So Judeo-Christian, Greco-Roman civilization, they all got to go. They got to go, and and then they'll replace it with their bleak, disgusting image. I mean, that's that's the goal. That's yes. always been that's been cultural Marxism's goal since Antonio Gramsci, World 1910, World War One, Sanger, Wilson, President Wilson, the whole the whole gang. And they infected the entertainment industry then, Broadway, early yeah. radio, sound sure. picture, so on. But I, I will tell you, as far as race goes, you know, they, 
They didn't stop with the with the Confederate generals. They came for all the generals. They came for the Union generals. They've come for the World War II generals. They went back to the Revolutionary War. And the funny thing is, I'm you mentioned Yunkin earlier. I'm in Virginia. The funny thing is, Virginia has been sort of ground zero to some degree for what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm going to get into this in the next book, is that to cancel America, you have to cancel Virginia. Why? A couple things. Um, both the Revolutionary War and the Civil War ended here. They ended in Virginia. People don't think about it, but they did. They ended at Yorktown, and they ended at Appomattox Courthouse. Um, Virginia was along with Massachusetts and Pennsylvania at the time of the revolution, the richest colonies, the three richest colonies. Um, Virginia was the home of the first dynasty, political dynasty, where you have four out of the first five presidents all coming from Virginia in the basically the same intellectual tradition to some degree. So they have to go. And it's hard to get rid of them the old-fashioned Robert E. Lee way, like pulling down a statue in Charlottesville, or the Stonewall Jackson way, where you're pulling down a statue. You've got to have more money. You've got to be smarter and a little more nefarious. And I'll tell you what they're doing, and I'm going to be writing about this in the next book, a little preview. They are getting on to the boards of Monticello, Mount Vernon, Ashlawn Highland, which is Monroe's house, and Montpelier, um, which is Madison's house. And they're getting on the board so that they, you can't bulldoze Monticello or Mount Vernon. You can't send Antifa in and burn the place. So instead, they're going to get in like a tapeworm and destroy it from the inside. And I'll tell you how they do it. Um, and to a lesser degree, George Mason and Patrick Henry, they got to go too. They were never president, but they got to go. Okay. And they're Virginians as well. So these are, you know, the seven most famous Virginians, at least in the, you know, 19th century, 18th century. So they get on the board, Rabbi. They use Soros money. They get on yeah. the board and they start voting conservatives or people they want to preserve off the board. And they eat, they eat from the inside out. So they start removing. If you go to if you go to Montpelier, for example, Madison's house. You get a little blip on the tour of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. You get you get these little blips. Most of the tour is about how much Madison sucks and what a racist he was and how he didn't free his slaves on his deathbed like Washington and all this other stuff. I mean, look, they're coming for Washington, too, but they can't use that one. They'll use other ones, you know. So, so that's what they're trying to do. If they can't bulldoze or burn, then they'll use big-time left-wing money some of it international. They'll get in, they'll redo all the exhibits, and it'll become just this sick, demented, you know, woke, disgusting Benetton ad about how, you know, yeah, this place is here, but he really kind of, he, he, he was a terrible person, and, you know, he did this, and he did that, and yeah, he might have done this then, but really, we should only talk about race and racism yeah. and, you know, validate the 1619 Project. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And they're not, and, and not just at the homes of presidents, ladies and gentlemen, they're doing it at Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia. Oh my goodness. They're doing it at Jamestown, which is the 1619 project Yeah, uh, in Virginia. 
So, so, so to cancel America, you got to cancel Virginia first. So you got to come for Virginia first. Youngkin knows this, and I get it. Look, Youngkin's not everyone's cup of tea, not every conservative's cup of tea. But, you know, he is a warrior in his fleece vest, and he is trying to at least stand up for yeah. Western civilization and the American experiment, and he should be commended for that. AJ, one of the things your book did for me, The Woking Dead, is that it helped sharpen my antennae uh, to recognize some of the subterranean techniques and strategies being employed by The Woking Dead uh, in order to seize control of the culture. And in that, it was extremely useful. Um, I want to thank you very much, I, uh, not only for, for writing the book, and I'm looking forward to the next one, and I know we'll be in touch and we'll talk regularly, but um, uh, for spending a little time with me on the Rabbi Daniel Lappinch, I really appreciate that, because as you say, uh, we've known each other for a long time, and I know that you are really in the trenches. You are really doing a whole lot more than just talking. So thanks a lot. Really appreciate the time together. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. Well, look, Rabbi, you know, we, um, we, we appreciate you. We know you're a patriot. You've been fighting for, you know, traditional values and sanity for a long time. You've got allies across the many Abrahamic religions and and then some. Um, I know you've been a counsel to many politicians and presidents and and look, it's been an honor. Um, I hope to come back. Yep, we'll um, we'll continue the dialogue for sure. Absolutely, and look, you know, bless you on all the high holidays. Thanks and, a lot. Uh, Thank we'll you. See, we'll see what the future holds, my friend. We absolutely will. Uh, A.J. Rice, author of the Woking Dead. Till next time. That was our conversation with A.J. Rice, um, a star of the conservative political world. He's also a chief executive officer of one of the top public relations firms in Washington, D.C. It's called Publius PR. And, um, and he's very frank. He says he wants to save America from Joe Biden and his woke zombie battalions in government, entertainment, academia, sports, and media. And uh, the book is The Woking Dead. I found it not only hilarious, it really was very easy to read, it was as funny as anything, but it was also hard-hitting and, um, and, and really, really penetrating. So uh, hope you enjoyed meeting A.J. Rice and that you enjoy his book as well. And that uh, brings us to as far as we can go for today on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. So uh, thanks for being part of the show. Thank you very much. All of you have been um, so diligently promoting the show by sending the link to friends and telling people about it. You're obviously having a very uh, effective run of it, and it's, it's all been for the good of the show, which I greatly appreciate. Uh, the website is rabbidaniellappin.com, and uh, you can also read more about our book, The Holistic You, right there, or anywhere else on the internet. The book is uh, out and uh, moving fast. Thanks for being part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Until our next occasion to meet together in, a, in about a week's time. I want to wish you a week of moving onwards and upwards with your friendships, with your faith, with your finances, with your fitness, and with your family. 
I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.